Hey guys, what is up? Welcome to Setting the Skeen. My name's Ben. My name's Doug. I'm Tristan. And I'm Elijah. And boys, isn't it so great to be back? Oh, yes, it is. Uh, yes, uh, for those of y'all who are just now finding us, uh, the four of us were previously on a podcast called Some Jerks Who Talk About Movies. We decided to take a bit of a short break to kind of... Uh, just take a look at everything and figure out how we can be better. Uh, so we did a bit of a rebrand, relaunch, and now we're back, and it's exciting. Uh, we've got a great first film to talk about tonight. So, Doug, what did we watch this week? Yeah, guys, uh, so this week we watched the 2018 uh, classic Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Uh, like I said, it was a 2018 uh, film, an animated picture, and it actually did win the Oscar for Best Animated Picture. Uh, for 2018, you know, it stars Shamik Moore, Jake Johnson, Haley Steinfeld, Mahershala Ali, uh, Brian Tyree. I can't see his last name. Henry. Brian Tyree Henry, uh, Zoe Kravitz, the incomparable John Mulaney, and Nicolas Cage and Kamiko Glenn. <laughs> Chris Pine is in it. Chris That's Pine true. is in it. Uh, it was directed by uh, Bob. I'm gonna butcher his name, uh, Bob Persietti, uh, Peter Ramsey, and Rodney Rothman, uh, and yeah, uh, this movie came out, uh, two years ago, it feels like only a year ago, uh, and is based entirely around the origin story of Miles Morales, uh, who took over the mantle of Spider-Man, uh, he was a new incarnation of Spider-Man in the Marvel comics, specifically the Marvel Ultimate Universe, uh, uh, he debuted uh, in comic form in 2011. He's been met, he was made an official member of like the Marvel like brand uh, in 2015, and this is his film debut. Uh, and yeah, uh, a lot of people a lot of people seem to love this movie. Uh, it's gotten great reviews. I don't for have good it reason. Sp- right. Yeah, definitely. Uh, on uh, on IMDb, you know, it holds an 8.4 out of 10. Um, I don't have its Rotten Tomatoes score pulled up, but, uh, but yeah, quality film. Uh, yeah. All right. Thank you for that, Doug. Um, I, I just, I just want to say real quick, you know, it's great. I feel great that I'm no longer a jerk. I've, I've leveled up. I've leveled up to just a normal dude. All right. I'm just a guy. No longer a jerk. I'm just a guy. So I just want to put that out there. Everyone who thought I was a jerk. I'm just a guy. Okay. (laughs) All right. I, I don't really know what we're going to call ourselves now because uh, calling ourselves Skeens doesn't really make sense. <laughs> we're, we're the Skeeners. I don't like that. That sounds even worse. Kind of, kind of like Schemers. Yeah, I'm, I'm not feeling that. Oh, hey, no. did you well, guys we, know? We can get a focus group on that. According to IMDb, just real quick, according to IMDb, <laughs> the um, other voice talents in this movie include Oscar Isaac, Lake Bell, and Post Malone. You, Although I feel like uh, I feel like Post Malone's is just because the, he has a songwriting music. credit. Nope. Uh, yeah. uh, oh. On IMDb, he is uh, he's listed as Brooklyn bystander. Hey. I don't oh. know if that's yeah. uh, if his last name is bystander, first name Brooklyn. I guess that's what it is. I believe. Ah, uh, that's about Thank right. You yeah. Thank you for that. Thank you for that, Elijah. Probably <laughs> it. Yeah. Yes, this film is heralded for a number of different things from telling first of all just a different spider-man story than what we normally got it also brought forth uh an incredible style of animation that we really haven't seen from a comic book movie before um so i guess before we really get too into it what are y'all's experiences with this movie um i uh, i can go first i mean i did see this movie opening night and i was I was kind of on the fence, you know. I was thinking this this will probably be a decent movie, you know. Animation looked really good. I was really, if I'm being real with you, I was there to see Nicolas Cage as Spider-Man Noir. Um, and what wound up happening <laughs> was I became obsessed with this movie. Uh, the animation I thought was gorgeous. I'm pretty sure I dragged the three of you to come see it with me. I'm pretty uh, sure at that's some true. point. Yeah, but, uh, I don't remember. I think you're right. <laughs> I know I definitely saw it with Elijah. Uh, I don't remember who else was there. Um, I, I think I saw it with you, Elijah, and Abby. I don't remember if Doug was there or not. I don't think Doug was I most definitely there. Just okay. Well. 
But yeah. I, I remember my first time watching this. I didn't love it. Um, I definitely enjoyed it, but it was not something that really was like, yes, that was the, one of the best things that uh, I've ever seen. I think more like mostly because it just kind of took me a little while to like get into it. Um, like, I think the animation style is great, but it took me a second to really like focus in on it, if that makes sense. Um, yeah. Because it is something that is so different. It's just not what you're expecting. It's almost enough to kind of like not make you uncomfortable, but kind of not necessarily what you were expecting. And that kind of threw me off a little bit. But I've watched it a number of times since. And every time I think I've enjoyed it a little bit more. Yeah, I I saw this movie at least twice in theaters, and I've seen it a couple times since then. I was hype about it from the first moment I saw the first trailer for this. I was like, this is going to be awesome. Um, I love this movie. Yeah, I, I think I saw it... Well, I mean, I saw it with you guys, and I I, I wanted to see it. It was not, like, on my top to-do list, you know? Like, I, I didn't have to see it. Like, I didn't go to see it opening night, but... Um, when I saw it, I mean, it was it was pretty good. I, I enjoyed it. I, I wasn't like, I don't think I liked it as much as Doug did, but uh, I, I did like it a good bit. Yeah, for the record, this is one of the few movies that I actually figured out what day it would be released on DVD, <laughs> just so that I could go and get the Blu-ray copy. <laughs> And yeah. then I was very furious when I got to Walmart at like three in the morning. Um, it probably wasn't three in the morning. It was probably two in the morning. Uh, because but, that is uh, so much better. It is, uh, but uh, but I was so disappointed because I got there and it was a full display case and it had actually been on DVD for like two or three days, and I was just thinking to myself, I was like, how dare these people? This is a work of art. How dare you not own it? All right, let's get into this. Uh, let's so, do it. Yeah. Uh, so one of the things that, um, like I mentioned earlier, that this film is um, really well known for is the animation style, which uh, it takes a very comic booky approach. Like it almost looks like you were watching a comic book, but as a movie, which is really interesting. Um, one of the things that um, really stands out to me, like uh, after Miles gets bitten by the spider, um, you start to actually see his thoughts and like thought bubbles, like you would see in a comic book, which is really cool. Yeah, I think that's great. It um, it's a really cool. Homage, or however you guys prefer to pronounce that word. Homage. We've, uh, homage. I'm from, I was born in Chattanooga, I say homage. Uh, <laughs> Home. It's a, it's a good tribute to comic books, to, to the origin of this. Like, we've seen a hundred billion comic book movies, but we've never seen one that did it like this. And yeah. it's really well done. Um, and it also, we'll touch on this later, I think, but it helps the humor land better sometimes. Yeah. Like the scene where the the guy stops him in the hallway when he's running, he's like, gotcha, Morales. And you see his thought bubble, he's thinking, play dumb. And he says, who's Morales? And then you see another thought, he says, not that dumb. You know, it's like that kind of thing <laughs> does would not it, work in a live action movie. Yeah, it worked a lot better this way. So they made really good use of the comic bookish animation style. Yeah, um, the, uh, the producers of this movie are are a, a pair named okay so it's phil lord and christopher miller um if if you think those names might sound familiar it's because they also co-produced uh the 21 jump street reboot uh they co-produced uh i think they also wrote 21 jump street and 22 jump street uh they uh they also created the lego movie um so if you've been keeping up with these guys in their career uh what you'll see is they like to take on in terms of animation movies they like to take on projects that is going to be a very different distinct style of animation and really lean into it because you know with like the lego movie they really do make it look kind of like a stop motion lego movie that was made by painstakingly moving each lego piece uh, and here you know they set out to make it look like a comic book come to life and i really do think that they succeeded and trying to get that aesthetic down. Wait, was Lego Movie not stop motion? No, it was completely oh. computer animated. Well, okay. They had I... to figure out how to how to animate inside of a computer just and make it look stop motion. Oh, 
I thought it was stop motion. How about that? One of the things that, um, like keeping in, uh, that I think also really works is how well built out each of the universes that the different spider people and spider ham come from. Because, uh, like, we see briefly, we see um, both the Peter Parker and Peter B. Parker swing through uh, their different universes. Um, I know the main universe, uh, like, instead of Coca-Cola, you've got, like, Coca Soda or something. It's Coca Soda. Uh, you have uh, you have Coca Soda. Instead of the NYPD, it's the PDMY. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a really small nod, but if you look in the back of Miles's. Uh, dorm room uh there's a poster for a chance the rapper uh album and in our universe the album has chance with a baseball cap that has the number three on it but in miles's universe it has the number four on it uh there's some more like instead of cnn it's nnc uh i'd say there's some like poster for a broadway show starring john mulaney at some point yeah uh instead of uh so in in our universe there's a movie called dawn of the dead uh and there's a movie called Shaun of the dead mm-hmm. uh Shaun of the dead is a comedy uh kind of a parody of that movie but that's not important right now uh and if you look in the background of if you look in the background of into the spider-verse you can see a poster for a movie called dawn of the Shaun. um <laughs> Which I feel like would not be the same movie that Dawn of the Dead or Shaun of the Dead is. No, it sounds like a uh, sequel. Just like a combined sequel of Shaun of the Dead and Dawn of the Dead. It's a crossover. Yeah, Yeah, but I mean, it's it's really cool. And I think part of that is because you have this... You have this comic book universe where the people in the foreground... uh, All of your actual characters and figures are moving so they are kind of leaping off the page in a sense Mm -hmm. and then you still have to have this very detailed background this very detailed back page that gives you all the context for the world and i think they do it very well and you see also you see a little bit into gwen's uh spider gwen's universe Mm -hmm. where everything's kind of like water colored like you can still see all the brush strokes of everything or with Spider-Man Noir, where it still looks like a comic book, but it's very gritty and black and white, kind of like a Sin City vibe. And then you get with uh, uh, Penny Parker uh, and the Spider-Bot, and it and her universe looks like a manga. And whenever she moves, it looks like a manga. Mm-hmm. I'd say uh, she's also dubbed. Like, if you uh, pay close enough attention, like there will be parts um, where her mouth is moving, but she's not actually talking because... She's actually, um, like, the character is saying the actual, um, like, Japanese words instead of, um, like, what the English words would be, and then they dubbed over it, which is really cool. Yeah, I think something I picked up this time that we watched it was their animation in their own universe follows them into Miles's universe, uh, because... Because, you know, basically, with Spider-Man Noir's introduction, you know, you see him, he's in all black and white, and there's constant wind blowing through his trench coat. If you keep a close eye on him, there's always wind blowing his trench coat, so he's always caught in the wind. Yeah, and they even make a joke about it when they're in the spider cave. It's like, where's the wind coming from? We're in a cave. Yeah, and then with Penny, I mean, just the way she moves, it's it's a little bit kind of that slower animation where there are frames cut out of it, like there are in some anime, um, where some frames are cut out so it looks faster or more choppy as she moves. Um, and then with... Uh, so I think they do that with Miles, too. Like, he's uh, animated at a, like a slower flame rate. Yeah. To kind of illustrate his inexperience compared to the rest of yeah, them. And, and with Spider-Ham, I mean, his cartoon logic follows him into Miles' Miles's, uh, universe. Yeah, the, the animation is innovative, and it's really precise and detailed, and it's absolutely beautiful. Mm-hmm. I... The, the whole... Um, sequence right after Miles gets his Spider-Man suit that he has tagged up to be all black and a little red, you know? Mm -hmm. And he's just, like, jumping off buildings and stuff. 
That is one of the most aesthetically pleasing scenes I've ever come across. Oh yeah, especially like when he actually does the leap of faith and you just see him like falling up into the uh, like skyline. Oh, yeah, just beautiful. Just to jump in here one more time, so Phil Lord and Chris Miller, the entire reason that they agreed to do this project is they saw a piece of fan art that was basically it was that picture of Miles Morales as Spider-Man falling down with the Cine coming up at him. They saw a fan, they saw a piece of fan art that was like that, and that's what spurred them on to do this movie. Wow. Um, yeah, like that was their inspiration. So to see that on, when I saw that on the big screen the first time, I I literally it took my breath away. Yeah. It yeah. was so gorgeous. Yeah, it is. And also, also, this is the last thing I'm, think, I'm gonna say about that image that still is because that really is that for me is the moment where it all actually is real because there's no more in theory or like Miles thinking Miles thinking maybe one day I'll be Spider-Man or this is all hypothetical like I I may have these powers but that doesn't mean I'm Spider-Man that is literally him getting down getting down to earth and realizing oh it's my time now yeah and it's fantastic so another thing that i think just goes along with um like how well the animation works with the film is how well the music works with the film oh we can talk about this music like the soundtrack in general is just amazing but like also seeing like how it works with the film itself to like keep everything moving absolutely and um some of it is diegetic music you know Mm -hmm. Like when the uh, when the roommate walks in listening to the song "Start a Riot" from the soundtrack, um, that was that song's debut to the world. Yeah, and then you also get like uh, like the song uh, "Memories" is on is playing in the radio, uh, or uh, or "My Familia" is playing on the radio, uh, but then you get music that's non diegetic, mm-hmm. uh, like "Way Up." Uh, which is which comes at that climax moment when Miles actually does take the leap of faith and it blends so well the actual beats of the song melding with the animation causes perfect synergy and then I firmly believe that uh, Not Scared of the Dark or Scared of the Dark fits so perfectly in this movie right after Peter Parker has died and you hear just those two or three piano notes and it goes into the song it melds so perfectly mm-hmm. yeah uh, yeah <clears throat> so for all of the uh trusted webs out there could you explain what diegetic and non-diegetic means uh so diegetic is music that happens like in the universe of the movie um so like if a song is playing on the radio in the movie or if a character actually starts singing like miles does like he's singing along with the radio a few times that would be diegetic and then non-diegetic is like um background music so like uh in star wars the imperial march okay cool i don't know how i missed that thanks um but yeah the soundtrack of this movie is really spectacular just on its own i keep coming back to it i listen to it a lot um and my favorite track on it is not actually in the film. I, I think it may play during the credits. But is there's it home. Uh, I like that one too. But let go. It's by Bo Young Prince. I think. I don't know anything about this guy, but I clearly should because he made what I think is the most enjoyable <laughs> song on that soundtrack. You know, I think you're right. I don't actually think it's on the. I don't think it's actually in the movie. Yeah, because I've listened all the way through the credits as well. Oh, okay. I don't think yeah. it's in the. I'm I sure I have too. I don't remember. Um, I didn't this time. But yeah, I love that song, and I love the whole. I mean, there's not a track on it that I think is bad. The, they really did a fantastic job with the music. Mm-hmm. So you brought up the credits. So I think I, we have to talk about that post-credit scene. That I yeah. think is one of the single greatest post-credit scenes to ever exist. This movie does something that a lot of movies don't do or are willing to do, and this movie fully embraces meme culture mm-hmm. to, I think, its benefit. Absolutely. Every time they lean into a meme, or even when they do things that 
that may not even be based on a meme, they do it in a way that makes you think, is that something that's referencing another another meme, another piece of pop culture? Mm-hmm. Um, they they do it so well. Uh, yeah. So, Ben, I'm going to let you actually explain what, okay. what you're talking uh, about. So, in the post credit scene, we actually meet another Spider-Man. Uh, this one has... Um, their assistant, I guess, has figured out how to uh, jump between uh, different uh, parts of the multiverse to, um, I guess, meet more Spider-Men. So the Spider-Man jumps through and uh, into like the old-timey comic book uh, Spider-Man universe, and we get the Spider-Man pointing at himself meme, and it's just amazing. Like Doug said, it really just embraces that meme culture, and it does it well. Like. If this were a live-action movie or even animated in, like, a traditional style, I don't think stuff like that would work. Yeah. I uh, I also will say this movie knows how to set up things that may not necessarily be that important, but it still will give you payoff for it. Like, one of the things that comes to mind is they point out the fact that Spider-Man Noir being in Miles' universe, it's his first time that he's seeing color, so he's got like this Rubik's Cube, a something entirely based on color, and he's trying to figure out how it works, and the last shot of Spider-Man Noir you see is he figures out the Rubik's Cube. Right. Something else is, at the very beginning of the movie, when we are introduced to Miles's Peter Parker, um, he says, you know, you know, I did a, uh, I did a Christmas album, and they play a little bit of it halfway through the movie, but the end credits, the credits literally end with uh, with that universe's Spider-Man, Chris Pine, singing Spider-Bells, Spider-Bells. So speaking of uh, payoff, we actually get some payoff from the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man films. Yes. Yes, we do. We do. This movie knows what's up. This movie knows <laughs> that, that Spider-Man 3 is great. And it pays homage to that. it. Although I did see, I actually did see someone. Um, I saw someone who also really loves Spider-Man Three, and uh, and they were talking about it. Uh, they were like, they're like, you know, the reason the reason that Peter dancing in the street is so important is because that's Peter when Peter has not faced a challenge that's bigger than him yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the only reason he does it at that point is because he has the symbiote on him. We look at this Peter Parker in Miles Morales' universe, and it's very easy to assume that he, this is a Peter Parker who literally has not has just not gone up against something that is m- way bigger than him, that really makes him question why he does what he does. Um, something that's really neat that's really important to notice in the background uh getting back to some of the animation is the introduction for miles morales's peter parker it shows a bunch of uh pictures and stills from that peter's life and time as spider-man uh and it's it's a couple random comic book frames Mm -hmm. that are from actual comic books but i mean it's nothing that serious but if you look at Peter B. Parker's, uh, when we're introduced to him, and he does the same comic book stills, comic book cells, uh, one of the last cells that you see is a still from the Spider-Man storyline, which is Spider-Man No More, when Peter actually has enough of the Spider-Man mantle, and he gives it up. So the reason that you wouldn't see that Peter Parker dancing down the street is because he's hit that point where he's just like, I can't do this anymore. I don't want to do this anymore. Miles Morales' Peter Parker, uh, he never hits that point. He's firmly at the point where he's just like, I am the best Spider-Man ever. Like, I've got this. Like, I'm going to face bad guys, but I've still got this in the end. Um, so that's why he feels confident enough to dance down the street in the costume. Real quick, was there uh was there also a reference to the first Sam Raimi Spider-Man movie when Miles is about to try out his powers, he's standing on the roof and you think you're about to get a Shazam, go web go. <laughs> but then it suddenly cuts to him racing down the stairs cuz he doesn't want to do it. I don't know if that was their intention, but I know that when I first saw it I was like Please, please go through all the hand motions <laughs> yeah. and all the catchphrases go that web, he go. tries. 
Yeah. Lie. <laughs> yeah. I watching that scene always makes me feel like that's what we're gonna get, and then it just cuts to him running down the stairs. It's. I think it's great. Yeah, which is all. I mean, it's also a great way to end that scene, um, while still paying uh, homage to it. That does bring up a point that I kind of would like to talk about, in that this movie does a phenomenal job at bringing Spider-Man as a whole, but more importantly, kind of Miles Morales, down to Earth and making him a really, uh, a really understandable, sympathetic character. Um, and relatable. Relatable is the word I was looking for. Because the entire point of the movie is him trying to kind of escape the responsibility of being Spider-Man. Like, he he doesn't even think he's ready for it. And a bunch of people constantly pressuring him, like, you've got to. You've got yeah, to. Yeah, I mean, I think to an extent he doesn't even really want it. Yeah. Yeah, he I, doesn't. And he he makes a lot of mistakes and he learns and he grows, which is a great thing to see from a protagonist, especially a young one. Um, and Doug, like you said, they're all pushing him. They're like, you've got to do this. But they also, for the for most of the movie, they aren't really supportive of him. They really believe in him, especially Peter B. Parker. Uh, you know, when, when they get introduced to all the other spider people, he's really going to bat for Miles. Uh, yeah. And his parents believe in him. They don't know he's Spider-Man, but they're really encouraging to him. It's really awesome and beautiful to see how supportive and, and encouraging everybody is. They all believe in him. Yeah. I think it I think it really is something that's interesting because... I'm, I'm sorry to keep comparing this to other Spider-Man movies and Spider-Man properties, but if you look at the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man series, uh, Tobey, before he gets bit by the spider he's he's a nerdy outcast you know it is what it is that's it's the territory uh but after he gets bit you know he kind of stands out from the crowd he he kind of embraces the fact that oh i'm i'm actually a superhero now like i've got this uh andrew garfield you know he was always a hipster he was never really on the fringe of society i'm sorry <laughs> if you believe that but it's the truth um and and that's that's how his world looks uh, Tom Holland, we never get to see him pre-Spider-Bite, pre, uh, but even then, like, I mean, he instantly kind of leans into the side of, to the side of, well, I have these powers and I, I shouldn't, like, abuse them, but I do have someone like Tony Stark backing me up on this, so I'm, I've kind of got this. Miles is really the only Spider-Man we've ever seen who ate doesn't really want the powers and B doesn't really gain much socially from getting the powers. I'm going to disagree with you slightly about Tom Holland because we actually do get a little bit of that in far from home, uh, which takes place after Endgame. So spoilers for Endgame. Tony Stark's not there anymore. So we do see Tom Holland's, uh, Spider-Man struggle with that a little with not really having that mentor figure, not really wanting these powers, just wanting to have a normal life. And That's not fair. really wanting to take up that mantle that Iron Man has left because people are looking at Spider-Man and it's like, are you the new Iron Man? Yeah, that that's fair, but I was kind of leaning on the everyone's first movie out. Fair. guys what's up it's me ben and i'm here to share some announcements with you first i just want to thank each and every one of you for listening uh the guys and i have all put in a ton of hard work and we're excited to finally be able to share it with all of you coming up this friday you'll be able to check out the premiere episode of mike's new podcast the flea pit deconstructing the film industry now he's got a good bit to catch up on with you know everything pretty much going on in the world right now uh but this week he will be talking about christopher nolan's tenant and the state of the film industry post-COVID-19 and more. You won't want to miss it. Coming up on Monday night, you can check out our latest episode of Tea with Doug G, featuring his special guest, David Cowan. Now, do you like what you hear? Well, we're glad, and we would love to have your support in any way that you can show it. The easiest way you can support us? Share our shows with your friends, family, random people you meet in the streets, whoever. Also, be sure to follow us on all of our social media platforms. It's super easy. No more long, confusing names. It's all unified under a single brand. 
at Viter Media. That's V-I-T-E-R. Now, if you want to support a specific show, what you can do, you can go on the show page on whatever platform you're listening on, whether it be iTunes, Google Play, whatever. Uh, you can leave us a rating and a review, and it will help us with the ever-challenging algorithm there. Now, maybe you're in a place where you want to do a little more, you know, go the extra mile. Well, I've got some great news. We've got some options there. You want some stuff that's got Doug's face on it? Well, we got it. We've got Tea with Doug G buttons and stickers, as well as some uh, buttons from our old Some Jerks Who Talk About Movie Days. Uh, if you'd like to order one, you can go to vitermedia.com slash merch. Now, maybe you like what you hear and you want even more from Viter Media. Well, you can get all of that on our Patreon. On there, we've got three different patron levels that you can sign up for. At the $3 a month level, you'll get access to our bonus feed so you can see behind-the-scenes photos, posts, and some other cool stuff that we've got for you. Moving on up to the $5 level, you get early access to both setting the skein and the fleep it. So that means if you stop what you're doing right now and go subscribe, you can check out not only the first episode, you'll get to go ahead and listen to the second episode of setting the skein. It's awesome, right? It gets better. At the $10 a month level, not only do you get everything I've already mentioned, you get some bonus content. Now, that bonus content can be anything from, you know, an extended episode, maybe a bonus episode, to something maybe a little experimental. Who knows? You'll just have to go to vitermedia.com slash Patreon and subscribe to find out. Now, that's all I've got. Again, be sure to check us out on social media at vitermedia. Again, that is V-I-T-E-R media. Again, thank you for listening. Now let's get back to the show. So uh, this movie has a lot of reversals. Uh, you reminded me of that with... Because you were talking about mentor figures, and a big part of that is um, Miles' uncle in this movie is... Mm. It's a really cool thing they do where, you know, we think that he's he's one way, and he is a big part of Miles' life and inspires him a lot, but he's the guy that's trying to kill him, <laughs> it turns out. Um, right, and then, like, at the beginning, he and his dad, it's not a bad relationship. His dad right. is a little overbearing, but by the end, they've kind of overcome that, and their relationship is that much stronger for it. Yeah, so, I mean, it, it's just, this movie has a lot of re the reality, or expectations versus reality, you know, like another one is with the spider bite, um, we, you know, we're, it's building up tension because we see the spider keep crawling around, and we're like, oh, we know it's going to bite him eventually, so we <laughs> we wait, and we see, oh, okay, it's craw crawling up him now, it bites him, injects the venom, and then it just cuts to him just staring at it and slapping it away, you know? Right, which is it, really interesting to compare to, like, when Tobey Maguire's uh, Peter Parker, or Andrew Garfield's Peter Parker got bit by the spiders, but they had a much yeah. more, um, I guess, visceral reaction, or that they at least said, <laughs> ow. But no, uh, Miles just slapped it and walked away. Yeah, yeah. and I, I know there's several more I'm forgetting, but uh, just even, even you know, to where he, he puts his shoulder on or he puts his hand on Gwen's shoulder and, and it's like, you know, you expect, <laughs> you don't really, I mean, I don't know what you expect, but it, it doesn't really work out. So. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I think this film does that a lot. Um, yeah, one of the things that, um, that, uh, stands out to me is the whole leap of faith. They keep saying, uh, or miles, uh, one of his big things throughout the film is when will I know I'm ready? When will I be able to control this? And they keep saying it's a leap of faith. It's a leap of faith. And personally, this is one of the things that I don't really like about it, because I think they do it a little too much, because it becomes an, a literal leap of faith when you do get that amazing scene. Just the build-up to it was a little, eh, for me. Just a little too much. I think, kind of to your point, though, Ben, I think they were trying to subvert your expectations not by having you... Not by having you realize when he does actually jump and way up, uh, like, you know, oh, that's his leap of faith. I think it might be leaning more towards, um, you know, that payoff at the end of the movie when he's holding Peter by the front of his shirt and, sa and says, you know, you gotta go home. You gotta go home. And then Peter's 
thinking, you know, I have to take a leap of faith too. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I'm not saying that this movie's actually about Peter B. Parker because it totally is not. Even but... adults can learn, guys. Even adults can learn. True. Yeah. <laughs> um, kind of getting on the point that Elijah brought up about how this movie compares to other uh, to other comic book movies. I think that I think that obviously the Marvel movies have made uh, have made a name for themselves for being a good blend of comedy and action, uh, and for having a template for their films, and for having a template for because their films. Because Mike is not here to say it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And I think I think this movie does do a good blend of comedy and action, but I think one of the best things that this movie does is it really does give you that kid perspective, which is something that Spider-Man Homecoming did very well, but I think that this movie does does a great job at B, at a uh at a kind of setting him up already as someone who's not comfortable where he's at. One thing that I love about this film that you don't get with most Marvel films, there are stakes. Mm. This movie kills Spider-Man in the first, like, 20 or 30 minutes of the movie. Mm-hmm. So, like, you know, like, he could actually die. Yeah, Ben, that's And, a good like, point. you see the other Spider-People glitching out the entire time. Like, you actually think that, you know... I mean, yeah, they're probably all going to live, but not necessarily. There is that there is that actual chance that oh, they could actually die. Right. Yeah. This film pretty much said, yeah, I mean, we're going to kill off Spider-Man early in this movie. Yeah, and then halfway through Uncle Aaron dies. Right. And it's yeah. not like a uh, ooh, we gotcha. Here they really are. No, like they actually die. Yeah. yeah. And that's something yeah. that most Marvel movies don't do. And also, I think something that's really great that they do is they give them honestly human deaths. Mm-hmm. Like I'm not, I'm not trying to take away from the impact that Tony Stark's death has in Avengers Endgame, but dude died because he got burned from too much power from a cosmic glove. Right. Peter Parker dies by being crushed to death. Um by an incredible kingpin. Uh, and Uncle Aaron dies literally from a shot in the back. Right. Like, I mean, they are very human deaths. And I think that's yeah. really interesting because despite this being a comic book movie, it's very human. Yes. Like, yeah. I, I completely agree Like, with the spider people have their powers, but, I mean, they're not like, I don't know. Everybody just seems very human. Yeah. yeah King, the Kingpin in this movie was done really well. I, I mean, mm-hmm. looking at his, uh, like, the flashbacks he had with his family, you know, and seeing them, really cool art form, by the way, uh, mm-hmm. where they did that. But I, they, they did a really good job to humanize Kingpin and, and make us feel like, you know, he's not all bad. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, Kingpin, I think, has always been a super interesting character uh, that we don't really get to see a lot. Like, we got to see him in uh, the Daredevil uh, TV show on Netflix, but, like, outside of that, we don't really get a lot of him. He was in the, he was a huge player in the 90s Spider-Man cartoon, Mm -hmm. Um, and then he's actually the main villain in the Daredevil movie from 2003. He's also um, one of the main villains in the uh, newer PS4 game. Well, kind of a villain. Yeah, he is. He is. Yeah. Uh, but uh, but yeah, like I love the fact that this movie really makes it very clear who your big bad is going to be just by making your character bigger <laughs> than every single person on <laughs> bigger the screen. Bigger and yeah. badder. <laughs> yeah. Literally. Yeah. Okay, so we... Um, uh, largely on our last podcast, some jerks who talk about movies, we've talked at length about the different actors to portray Peter Parker and mm-hmm. kind of the things we like and dislike about each one. Um, and we started to kind of compare Miles Morales to that, but I don't, I don't know. I think because I think, I think he's kind of in a league of his own. Yeah, I mean, he's not Peter Parker. He's a different character. Right. Yeah. That would um, be like comparing. I don't know, Batman and Robin. Like, 
Yeah, they're, like two different characters. Like you know, there's yeah. there's Batman comics where Dick Grayson ends up becoming Batman, but he's mm-hmm. he's or not Bruce Wayne. The Batman Beyond comics where Terry McGinnis is Batman. Yeah, 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 yeah. So but he's, he's not Bruce, Bruce Wayne, Wayne though. It, when uh, I go ahead, Tristan. It, it's I mean even looking at. Peter Parker, the one who dies, and Peter B. Parker, those are two very different characters as well. It's like, how do you even compare both of them, you know? Yeah, you're right. One thing that I think is really great that Marvel has done in terms of, like, their comic book characters is every time they bring in a new sort of variant of a comic book character, they really do try to give them their own their own story, their own life. Mm-hmm. Um, to live like uh, like with Miles Morales um, a bunch of people when he was first introduced in the comics uh, a bunch of people were furious they were like they're like you literally just killed off Peter Parker um, to bring in this this kid and of course you got the discussion that it was purely for political reasons uh, and and that was the entire reason why why uh why marvel did it and marvel's response was no we didn't do this for political reasons we kind of ran out of stuff to do with peter parker and we had an idea for a really cool new take on it Mm -hmm. um and i think that's one of the best things that they've done is they have set up from the beginning miles morales is not to be compared with peter parker because he is his own character yeah um you know, there's there's a problem with, like, you know, tokenism. Like, mm-hmm. uh, community colleges who find uh, a group of students to be on the cover of their brochure, and this group is disproportionately black and Asian and Hispanic to make the school <laughs> look like it's really diverse and inclusive. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, that's, like, shady political correctness right there. And I think yeah. some people were afraid that Marvel was trying to do that. Mm-hmm. But look at this awesome character they gave us. Right. Who is a black and Hispanic kid mm-hmm. growing up in the same concrete jungle as Peter Parker. Um, but he's not a cop. He, they didn't copy over Peter Parker and then change his ethnicity. They made a new, interesting, and empathetic character. I'll I'll never forget uh, when uh, when Miles Morales first hit the scene in terms of the comics. Um, I was still in early middle school, late elementary school when those comics started, and on the Marvel website they identified him as Spider Man hyphen Miles Morales. Mm-hmm. Um, like they set up from the beginning, they were like. No, he is his own. He is his own thing, and I'm not gonna lie. Uh, so they've been trying to include Miles Morales in more things. Like I said, they officially made him a part of the Marvel roster uh, in 2015. Before that, he was only part of their uh, Ultimate roster, which is basically like their alternate reality roster. Um, and uh, and w- one of the ways that they tried to include him is in the. Uh, in the Ultimate Spider-Man TV show that was on Disney XD for a couple years, Drake Bell played Peter Parker. That's not really important. I just felt like I would share that. <laughs> um, they uh, they brought in Miles Morales in the last uh, two seasons, I think. Um, but uh, when uh, there was a certain point where Miles didn't go back to his home dimension, he stayed in our Peter Parker's dimension. And they stopped referring to him as Spider-Man, and they... What they changed his name to? I think they changed it to Kid Arachnid, which is fine, but it feels like you're almost taking something away from Miles. Because, to be fair, in his dimension, he does take on the mantle of Spider-Man. Like, he is Spider-Man. Yeah. Um, So, yeah. Just just a little interesting tidbit. That was interesting. Okay, so... uh, We have... uh, many times in podcasts and otherwise talked about different versions of Peter Parker. Um, but I think since Peter Parker isn't even the focus of this movie so much, um, maybe let's focus on a side character. Let's talk about different iterations of Aunt May. Oh boy. 
Yes. I love this Aunt May so freaking much. She's she's so good. She is like the epitome of what Aunt May could be. Uh, mm-hmm. Let me yeah. uh, let me pull up because the IMDb. you know this Aunt May has seen some stuff. Yeah, she uh, she's a reversal, which is what I talked about earlier. This movie has many of them, including the uh, Batcave like uh, Spider Man cave. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that You're we right. that we think is a shack. You're right. Aunt May is uh, a nice reversal. And are you guys aware? I'm sure Doug is. There are comics where she becomes Spider Woman. Yes, Aunt May in the spider suit fighting crime. I feel like this is the only Aunt May I've seen in a movie that I was like, yeah, she's gonna, she could be. She could totally do that. (laughs) I mean, like it's like when they're all fighting in her house, and she's just super calm and collected. It's like, no, take this outside. Right. Yeah. Because you know, like she's saying that that's not the first time something like that has happened. Yeah. Uh, Lily Tomlin is the woman who portrays Aunt May in this movie. And she has got so much, I can't think of a better word, so I'm going to say spunk. Moxie. Um, Moxie. I mean, it's so good. And she really does set herself apart from every other Aunt May. Uh, Like, you know, the first first Aunt May with the Tobey Maguire movies, her first name's Rose, I cannot remember her last name. Um, Like, I mean, she was very much the encourager, the like, the like, you know... We all need heroes sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then you had Sally Field in the Andrew Garfield movies. Rosemary Harris. Rosemary Harris. Uh, and then you had Sally Field in the Andrew Garfield movies, who was very much just like, okay, stop whining. Just come on. You got you got to do it. Uh, and and you have this Aunt May, who's just like, who's just like, yeah, I know you have a job to do, but like, I mean, I'm gonna help you. Like, don't worry. So you've also like, got a uh, Marissa like Tomei from the... Yeah, I know. I was going to talk about Marissa Tomei because I okay. I hate the fact that Marissa Tomei, at least amongst fans, has kind of been reduced to the quote-unquote the hot Aunt May. Yeah. And I, I really hate that because I do feel like we're starting to see good stuff with her, especially now that she knows that Peter's Spider-Man. Like, you know, you get to see her kind of using him for monetary gain. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Like, she's... I think yeah. her version of Aunt May is, is possibly the most off the wall. Yeah. It's it's very much Marissa Tomei and and this Aunt May with Lily Tomlin is are definitely the two that set themselves apart yeah. from the group. So in the vein of talking about uh, different versions of the character, which spider uh, being, I guess, is your favorite? In this movie? Yeah, you in can, this movie. You, you can refer to them all as Spider-Man, even though Spider-Ham <laughs> is a pig. And like, Spider-Gwen is not a man. And neither is Penny. Uh, yeah, that's yeah. also true. Um, that's also true. But, uh, uh, destroyed, yeah, in, Doug. In the movie, in the movie they, they say a couple times, Spider-People? With a question mark on the end. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but I mean my... Peter Porker is not a person. He's right. a pig. My favorite. Actually, he's a spider that was bitten by a radioactive. Touche, touche. My favorite is definitely Miles Morales. I mean, yeah, we get we get to see. I mean, he has so much potential in the beginning. He's such a cool character. He speaks Spanish. I mean, he's just cool, and <laughs> and but he's he's not like uh, he's not a loser in the sense that Peter Parker was, but he's got. You know, he's got... He's awkward. He's yeah, awkward. Yeah, and he's got his, like... He's got a slightly different set of issues that he's dealing with. Um, and some of them more, much more complex than we could address in this podcast, really. I mean, if we really right. wanted to break it down. But he's, he's such an interesting character from the beginning. And then he makes mistakes and learns from them and grows and becomes something really great by the end because he's willing to grow and keep going in spite of his mistakes that's so awesome that's such a great thing to see set up as a hero for kids in a movie right i uh on the topic of my favorite spider person um i i love miles morales i really do but i i'm I'm so enamored by the thought of Spider Gwen mm-hmm. because I think Gwen Stacy already is an incredible character uh, from her time as Peter's love interest. But 
like she she became basically the st- the archetype for for girlfriend who dies so that the hero can do something better mm-hmm. and i love the idea that in the spider gwen universe she really is like she's this beast who just takes down everyone who who gets in her way yeah i mean I, uh, like tristan was talking about it's another reversal because instead of gwen stacy dying peter parker's the one that dies well peter parker's also the lizard so yeah um that um yeah i never read any of the spider gwen comics because um, i'm not a big comic book guy i read a few spider-man comics but that was about it but after this movie came out i did some googling about these other characters and again i haven't read any spider gwen comics i just read about them on the internet but i'm under the impression that she is more fleshed out in this movie than the comics seem to have done i think that's the case for most of them Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll I'll also say like they've started giving her more stuff yeah. uh, in the last like couple of years. But, but I want to uh, say like outside of Miles, I think Gwen Stacy was the only one to actually have like comics about her before this movie came out. And then since then, I think we've gotten some Spider-Man Noir, some Penny Parker, some Spider-Ham stuff. Well, there have been like I mean there was a. Uh, there have been a couple crossovers uh, about the Spider-Verse, like, mm-hmm. for years now. I think 2012 was when they started breaking down the Spider-Verse. Um, so, like, that was when, like, they all started kind of showing up. And the noir universe is something that's, like, been around gotcha. since, since I think, early 2000s. And was it meant to be campy from the beginning? The Spider-Verse? No, the noir. Oh, noir. I mean, it doesn't have to be campy. It's just... I, mean, I think in the comics, no R comic book. I feel like it would be. I feel yeah. I, I mean anything, yeah anything anything noir that's being produced today <laughs> is I I feel like it's got to be a little a little bit of a joke. I think I think whenever they bring in the Hulk noir because that's a thing. <laughs> oh um, no! Yeah, don't laugh because he actually is like a straight gangster. What? The, he's he's like a straight gangster. Wow. I'll have to check it out. Like, I'm pretty sure he has a machine gun. (laughs) Okay, so, Tristan, do you have a favorite? (laughs) Yeah, uh, uh, my favorite's Peter B. Parker. Yeah. Um, I I think that, I don't know, I mean, next to Miles Morales, I think he's probably the next most fleshed out character. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that's a given, but just because of the way that he relates to uh, Miles in a lot of ways, or at least you know, they, at least he talks about his problems. Um, also, Jake Johnson was the perfect casting choice for that. A hundred percent. Yes. yes. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I'll, I want to talk more about that later, but go ahead, Tristan. I yeah. I I really just appreciate how they <laughs> decided to subvert our expectations <laughs> with a Peter Parker that is not. He does not have everything together at all, and his but life's pathetic. falling apart. Borderline yeah. pathetic. I mean, he, he just... There's so much going on in his life, and he feels like he can't fix any of it, you know? Um, I don't know. That that speaks to me a little bit. Um, and uh, I, I like him a lot because of that. I really appreciate his character being in there. Yeah, this movie is, among other things very funny um, mm-hmm. and I could gush about some of my favorite lines in this movie for a long time but just briefly about Jake Johnson he really is ideal like they made a Peter Parker that resembles Nick Miller from New Girl right because yeah like the whole like I was in my room doing crunches getting strong but you're watching and he's actually just eating <laughs> pizza being a fatty you know it's like crying in the shower perfect Jake Johnson was the per- he really sold that character Oh, yeah. I'd say uh, another thing I love about the different uh, spider people that we meet, their screen time is balanced really well. Like, I think uh, Penny Parker and Spider-Man Noir and uh, Spider-Ham are all super interesting characters, but we got the perfect amount of them in the movie. I think if we had gotten too much more, I don't know that it would have worked. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, also, I want to give mad. Uh, I also want to give mad props to John Mulaney mm, for so his good. Uh, so Spider-Ham good. performance. Because literally every single time he said anything, I was dying. 
I actually disagree. <laughs> really? I, oh, okay. I love John Mulaney, um, but I think if if that hadn't been the voice, I would have just rolled my eyes at Spider-Ham the entire time. Um, I, I do find John Mulaney entertaining, and Spider-Ham is just one of those things that I have to look at and go, you know what, it's for the kids. The kids will like it, and, I, and it gets a pass for me. And that's my stance on Spider-Ham. Fine. <laughs> we'll agree to disagree on that. All I'm going to say is the universe that Spider-Ham is from is really something to look at. Like, Thor's a frog. Uh, just, that doesn't really add anything to yeah, anything. They, I just kind of wanted to they really bring went all that out into the, that. That's super fun. <laughs> yeah, it's super fun. You know, I'm a teacher, and I've, <laughs> I've been hearing, I've been in meetings hearing teachers talking about how important it is for children to see themselves reflected in books. Mm-hmm. Um... I tried to find the quote of the original person who said that. I couldn't find it, but um, that's a big thing with, like, we want to make sure that children see themselves reflected in the books they're reading. Otherwise, it, it feels irrelevant, you know. Um, that's, I think it's also important for, um, like, like, specifically white children to see other ethnicities, other races uh, also represented because if you just see a whole bunch of white kids in children's books that's not going to set you up very well for what the real world is like absolutely to to your point i think i think that that's one of the reasons that having uh that having a black spider-man um having a black person take up the mantle of spider-man is so important because Mm -hmm. you know you have black panther who is an adult like i mean he's king of a nation like a kid cannot a kid can relate to that but they can't fully like see that in themselves it's not as easy as comparing yourself to a literal high school teenager yeah or middle schooler he's he's in middle school yeah like he's not high school miles is a very accessible character Right. Yeah, he's a very accessible character, and I think that's one of the. I think that's one of his best attributes. You know what else? He's not an orphan. Yeah. Isn't that remarkable? <laughs> he comes from a from a racially mixed house, uh, which you do not see a lot of mm-hmm. in any media, yeah. really. No. Um. I I I love the fact that we're starting to see Miles Morales get more coverage, mm-hmm. like. Like we had him for a little bit in the in the Ultimate Spider-Man series. He was a pretty decent sized side character in the PS4 Spider-Man game, and now he's getting his own game on PS5. I mean, I I'm very happy to see that Miles Morales is getting some recognition because he is a cool character and he's mm-hmm. been a really good character since he debuted. Yeah, absolutely. Did you guys know that Donald Glover was part of the inspiration for this character? I believe it. I've heard that, but I've never heard it confirmed. Well, I'd say, doesn't uh, Donald Glover actually play uh, Uncle Aaron in Spider-Man Homecoming? Oh, uh, yes. It's, 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 it's believed that that's who he is. Yeah, because he huh. says I've, he's got ice cream in the trunk, and he's mentioned something about how he's got a nephew. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um... That was an intentional cameo, I think. But yeah, there's, um, it has, Doug, it has become a little bit of a legend because there's mm-hmm. a couple different versions of how exactly Childish Gambino influenced the creation of this character. But he did have so, something I mean, to do with it. I mean, he actually makes a uh, slight cameo in this movie. Uh, in um, Uncle Aaron's apartment, at one point, there's an episode of Community on the TV which features uh, the episode where Donald Glover is in his Spider Man pajamas. Okay, I uh, part of the legend is that that was was the inspiration. Just seeing Donald Glover in Spider Man pajamas, um, and then the the creators of this going, you know what? I could get into Donald Glover playing Spider Man. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so yeah, somehow or another, he was part of the inspiration. And yet, it's a Chance the Rapper poster that's hanging in my <laughs> yeah, bedroom. and there's no Childish Gambino on the soundtrack either. Yeah. Uh, there is Jaden Smith, but... which is just interesting. That was a like, surprise it's, to me. it's a great song. <laughs> yeah. A great song, and did not realize it was Jaden Smith. 
Oh man. Okay. So, so is there anything in this movie that really just sticks out as bad for you? I mean, I know Ben that you brought up the fact that that you brought up the fact that uh, that the fact that they're a little heavy-handed with the "it's a leap of faith" mantra. Mm-hmm. Uh, one other thing, after all the whole, after he does the leap of faith, I think he gets a little too good with his ha- powers a little too quickly. Um, <laughs> That's completely fair. Um, but other than that, I think this movie is really good. I do have one thing. Like I mentioned, I don't really like Spider-Ham, but that's just kind of a personal thing for me. I do have one thing that I think is a genuine flaw in this movie. Um, and it is when um, Kingpin and Doc Ock are having their conversation on the roof after the spider people get away. Mm-hmm. And um, as Kingpin is making his exit, he says something about making sure my collider is working and after he leaves doc ock clenches her fist and says our collider um and then that's it like she like that never comes back yes she she has a very small role in the movie after that moment but that moment makes you think oh there's tension between the two villains and this is gonna come to a head later and it's gonna it's going to be a part of the climactic fight or something like that. But it so was not. It never came up again. That's it. And then she She's gets a, hit by a bus and you just never see her again. Yeah. She is a very intimidating villain, too. Mm-hmm. She like, is. And it feels like they set her up for something really cool with a, a, a conflict with Kingpin, but it we didn't get any payoff for it. I, I also think that this movie is phenomenal. You know, that's why I just gushed about it for a long time. Um, there is just a little bit of clunky dialogue, because, uh, you know, no movie except for Back to the Future is perfect, but, um, <laughs> but you know, the line, I am stopping this right now, really bad line, and, you know, I'll always have my family is fine, but it's, it's just, there's, there's bad lines. Yeah. If I had to pick flaws with this movie, I would say it's just some clunky dialogue. All right, let's rank this thing. Uh, so if you listen to our old podcast, Some Jerks Who Talk About Movies, we had a completely ridiculous and overly complicated scale. <laughs> We're not using that anymore. Yeah. Instead, we are using a much uh, a much easier scale that actually makes sense. It's a scale from 1 to 100. 100 means it's absolutely perfect. There are no, There's nothing wrong with it. 50 is average. 1 means that it's an irredeemable pile of turds. Doug, what are you giving this movie? I will give this movie an 85. Uh, this is my fourth favorite movie of all time, um, but since, since you know, every movie has flaws, except for Back to the Future, um, this, this movie's great, uh, I think, I think, yeah, 85. I really don't have anything else to say. 85. Cool. Uh, I'm gonna echo that. Um, I actually had planned to give this an 85, but I think I'm actually gonna go a little higher. I'm gonna give it an 88. Um, I just think this film is just incredible. There's not that much wrong with it. And I like how different this film is from other superhero comic book movies. Yeah, I actually gave it a 90. And I don't think I would put this in my top 10, but I love this movie. I gave it a 90. Um, And I am, I mean, I know you said 50s average, but I really am thinking of this as just being like getting a grade on a test. I have to give this movie an A, so it's got to be a 90. Okay. Yeah, I, I have to give it at least a high B. Um, I'm gonna give it an 86, actually. Um, I mean, I, I think, I think as as the episodes go along, we'll maybe have a better idea of how we want to <laughs> use the scale. Um, but I don't know. I I, I think it, that's. I mean, it deserves, I was thinking about it. Like maybe I could rank it lower because I'm trying to think of all the movies that I really love, and it doesn't really rank like top 20 or anything. But it's mm-hmm. super good. Um, and yeah, it just feels right to give it a, a good grade on this test. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna bump the score up a little bit. <laughs> well, it did in fact give a good grade. It finishes with a final score of 87.25. So this is a really solid movie. Definitely better than the first movie that we did for some jerks. Uh, the emoji movie, not fun. Don't watch it. Uh, but yes, thank you for joining us this week, Doug. What are we watching next week? Well, that's a great question. I don't have what year this movie came out, but next week we are watching Atlantis, The Lost Empire. It's a great movie. Uh, Thank you guys for listening. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, Be sure to check out our other stuff. But in the meantime, I'm Ben. 
I'm Doug. I'm Tristan. I'm Elijah. And this has been Setting the Scheme. Thank you.